We're back. The Whiskey Hue. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. He's mixed. We're three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups, mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. Where do you start singing, Shivali? Go for it. Go for it. All right. Maybe not today. Never not today. <laughs> All right. Introduction. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk about today. Our guest is Shivali Bemmer. Uh, you're. We're, this is. Um, I've, you know, I've been, we've been trying to get this thing on the on the order for like you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe we could say. Uh, and we had the oddest of glitches. As brown people, we can't figure out tech apparently. But you know, we had five banks crashing. That didn't stop us. Tensions between U.S. and China did not stop us. But there was a goddamn tree that fell on our mom's house, and that stopped us for a little bit. And then some tech stuff. So, who knows? All right, we're gonna try to make it through this thing. Um, holding, she's spiritual, so we're gonna do this. Holding my hands together, she's going to guide us through this. Okay, um, welcome to the pod, Shabali. Uh, Thank you. It's amazing to have you. We've been trying to do this for quite some time. No, um, I'm intrigued by her. Uh, she has an incredible background. So, investment banking, investment advisory group at Raymond James. Uh, she is also a singer, songwriter. Has multiple albums out with Sony Records. Um, you just came to know there's a music video that's out. It's pretty hot. Apparently, it's grabbing a lot of attention. So we're going to talk about that as well. She's a dancer. I came to find out, and she's written a play as well. <clears throat> Anything else? Did you write the bug with the Gita as well? Did you do? That? I wish. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> slacker, slacker. Give us some more. I, know, I left right? out some tidbits, but get get in there. Um, a banker by day, love it. And then, in addition to that, all the other things, and a motivational speaker on top of that. Give us some more. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't want to give you any more. Otherwise, as my dad says, I sound like a jack of all trades, master of nothing, um, which I think is somewhat of an accurate description. Um, I also call myself a fake banker. Um, I don't sit in investment management. I sit in uh, M&A investment banking, um, yeah. M&A advisory. But I, I work in business development, uh, cultivating relationships with private equity firms, um, so sponsor-driven business. Um, and before that, it was founder-owned business, founder-owned businesses. So that's that side of fake banking, as I call it. And then there's real, I, I'm a real musician, so actually that, that works, that's not being faked. Um, yeah, and that's the whole Sony Music albums, devotional side. Okay, so let's jump. Where do we jump? So let's let's leave the fakeness behind. Let's let's jump away from the banking. Everyone kind of understands that role, right? They can they know people in their lives that are in that role. <clears throat> people, a lot of people don't understand maybe the singing, the dancing, and all that. So let's jump there. That's something that maybe not everyone has in their life. Uh, so jump into that role. How it came about. You're very spiritual in your background, and you incorporate that into your the loves of your life. You're you know uh, critical, analytical thinker, and the spiritual side of you very creative. And you, I love how it all kind of amalgamates into like what you've created and put out to the world. So jump into that arena for a bit. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think there are a few things that constitute to something happening in your life as a career and something being successful, however you define success. It's not always uh, in, in monetary terms. But A, you need just basic passion and, and love, which is what I had um, from a very young age. I was passionate about devotional music. I was passionate about um, our Indian culture and especially the philosophical side of it. And then number two is you have to recognize a gap in the market which you think you can fill. And so what I could see was a gap in the music market, the Indian market, where it was 
any of the religious or devotional music, let's call you know hymns, Hindu hymns, were being sung in in by someone very old. Um, not that that's wrong, but they were attracting just a certain market. Um, Whiskey Hugh does not endorse ageist comments, but yes, carry on, please. Yes, Thank you very uh, much. yes. Sorry, let me let me rephrase. Oh God. <laughs> Brad, start again, tech issues, can't get on, whoops, not working. Um, but um, no, what I meant was that it was it was usually, it was ageist against young people, actually, because everybody young was, do, was, was able to do it. But uh, it would be of someone of a certain age or maturity, um, and it was using certain conventional instruments, and it was quite limiting. And when you looked at the demographics and the stats, and you had something like 80% of Indian listeners listen to religious music. Well, why were we pouring so much production into Bollywood? And class Indian classical music is amazing. And why were we not giving devotional music the mm. same kind of production? And that's, and if we did give them the same kind of production, then maybe we would open that market out and we would be attracting all generations, um, especially the younger generation who aren't necessarily into um, religious or devotional music, however you want to define it. Um, and so I decided to go for that. And being someone who was born in London and raised there, we we do listen to things um, differently when we grow up compared to probably people in India and what they grow up on. You know, I was a big R&B hip hop girl as most Indians were who were born in, I'm not going to say when, but let's just say it was slightly before the 2000s, maybe the 80s. <laughs> but um, people who grew up on Donnell Jones and Montel Jordan yeah. and LL, LL Cool J and Dre and um, you know, all, all these characters, amazing hip hop and R&B artists. And I just thought, well, why can't we incorporate this production into our music and sing something devotional and something that inspires goodness and higher values, but just make the production really urban and modern and edgy. And luckily I had the idea, there was a market space. And then the third thing you really need is just to be a risk taker. And I learned to take risks very early on. And I pitched my product, I call my music my product, to Sony Music in India, and they were crazy enough and ballsy enough to sign me, and the rest, as they say, is on Wikipedia. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love it because you know, in the West here, like, so let's say just specifically pegged peg to the US, I think gospel has always been in the top three most popular genres of music, maybe up until recently. And then, you know, country came in, then jazz came in for a little bit, rock came in, you know, then hip hop a little bit. But top three, gospel has been for over a century for a while. I don't know if it still is. It's maybe fallen off a bit. Um, but so it's, it's interesting because with such a devout following of uh, the, the, our culture, right? And then it's, it's, you know, it should be more popular in India and everywhere else. And I like how you're giving it a kind of a, a, a modern twist to it. The beauty is, you know, we grew up on similar types of music, you and I. Mm -hmm. And it's because a lot of our music from our South Asian culture is very beat driven. So urban and hip hop mm -hmm. made perfect sense, right? Mm -hmm. From uh, all the different genres of music in, in Daisy. And a lot of Bollywood music is fixed on that as well and they, as they incorporate it. So it made perfect sense. So tell us about that process. So you're, so you're a very spiritual person as well, right? Uh, and you mm -hmm. go around, you, you do motivational, motivational speaking on this arena. Let's, let's 
travel this road together. We're going to keep bringing them up together, music and spirituality, because I think they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of your speaking. Why do you think that's probably a support system for your music as well? They both end up being great support systems for each other to help broaden mm-hmm. the message and reach. Yeah, I mean, I think they both tell the same story because ultimately I call it a devotional voice, which is what I have. I sing in Hindi and in Sanskrit, which obviously not everybody understands. And so the messaging I give when I'm speaking is the essence of those hymns, but in practical, philosophical takeaways. And if you look at any of the big speakers or spiritual speakers, whether it's Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, now Jay Shetty, um, Mm -hmm. any of them, they all take a lot of their material and their literature out of Eastern philosophy, Mm. which is what I do. I'm, I'm a Eastern philosophy stroke religious singer. And so the two marry up very, very well. And it's about, it's not about scaring anyone into faith or belief or even trying to convert anyone. Our philosophy doesn't really believe in conversion. We're not big on that. Um, in fact, I don't think it's even possible. But it's more just like, well, what kind of life are you living? And life is really, really tough. And it's really materialistic. And it's with social marketing, it, uh, sorry, social media, it's become consuming in terms of just competition and noise and unnecessary information and how do we get back to ourselves Mm. and that's the point and whatever i speak about is well how do we get back to ourselves and how do we get back to the truth and how do we get back to this higher level of living and thinking and feeling so that we're happy and we're chilling I love it. It's funny because you mentioned you can't convert to this religion. It's one of those few rare religions, but people do practice some theories from the religion, right? Because it's a very calming, centered religion, uh, which yeah. I appreciate. You know, it's like Julia Roberts from the West, Will Smith, and uh, he's noted. And before he went, Kali Shakti on Chris Rock, you know, um, he was <laughs> had to do it. <laughs> but, you know, they he was all over like TikTok and I think Twitter even explaining like, our religion then also he goes yeah. hey man you, should, you have to put out Hinduism and what you did to Chris Rock at the same in the same tone uh, <laughs> wait a minute um, let's I like it because it's 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 an easier religion it's very tolerant as well right it is which it's is tolerant. Unique. it's a way of life it's not it wasn't even classified as a religion mm-hmm. that's something that the West classified the word Hindu doesn't didn't even exist mm-hmm. that was for people who live by the river Hind okay great um, <sighs> we're actually Sanatan Dharm followers or believers, which means followers of the eternal truth or the eternal dharma, and dharma, which means righteous action. And that can be, righteous action is in every facet of your life, business, especially business, corporate setting, corporate world, um, personal life, relationships. Um, It bleeds everywhere. It's a duty-driven living. Um, So it's very accessible, and that's why you find people adopting Hinduism and you don't need to convert to it. You can just start practicing it one day because it's just the way the way the world rolls. And it works into our mindset as well, right? Our culture generally is a pretty assertive culture, but we're not aggressive to the point where we're obnoxious generally, right? Um, we're very we're very mm-hmm. humble. We're a bit too humble, I think, right? Because we yeah. anywhere we've been taken forcefully or not, uh, we've crushed it eventually, right? As we've been yeah. brought, and I, I love that about our culture. You don't hear us saying, "Hey." Um, 
we don't we don't stop to appreciate it sometimes. Hey, or humble is what I'm getting at. Whereas I hear other people are they're successful. They get their first ten dollars. They're telling fifty people, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not sure how humble Indians are <laughs> Rel- relative to the success they've had. I think it's you know. I mean, it, yeah, Maybe. we we have our, we, everyone has their fringe folks like who are going to talk a little bit too much, right? We I, I know them. As well. Maybe I mean I I think Indians fall into that bracket personally. What I think you might be alluding to, which I which I definitely agree with, is that we just get on with it. Yeah. Um, and that's I think that really comes less from our generation, but the generation above us. Agree. Our parents' generation and the generation above them. They, the Indian thing is I'm not going to complain about my circumstance. Yeah. I'm not going to blame what has happened in the past. Or what is happening or that this is unfair or that's unfair or that person isn't treating me well because guess what it's all karma what goes around comes around mm. and it's actually my duty and my responsibility to work hard play the game fairly and do my best and that attitude of resilience work ethic and ambition and doing it without making any fuss is I think has led to a lot of success in, in the Indian diaspora. I, I love that. I appreciate that about our culture. I agree with you. Let's let's move on from things that have happened because you know if and then our success is basically based solely on hey what we've put into it right. So education, hard work, commitment, uh, teams of community that have helped mm-hmm. us thrive and continue to thrive, which I love. Um, and you know we don't get a chance to talk about that enough. And like you said, we don't talk about it that much generally yeah. most of us yeah. let me bring this back to the music for a second so Kanye West had Jesus Walks banging in the club right would that cause if someone was doing that with your music Shivali because you have an R&B hip hop uh, spent some of these things would that be against what you're trying to put the messaging you're put, putting out there or would that be I, I remember rocking out to that in the club <laughs> Jesus Walk Kanye West right it was beautiful uh, and that's the first time you heard those those connotations what his messaging was over a beat that was capturing everyone's imagination yeah, I don't actually know that track, um, and I do find Kanye a bit of an interesting character. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would compare, I don't think my music is, to be honest, comparable with anything, because yes, I've used the beats and the rhythm, but um, the messaging is really, really different. So like, for example, you would, I would, my music would never be played in the nightclub. No, would you, because, would you mind if someone remixed it and did that though? That's, that's where I was kind of going with that. If people are getting drunk and intoxicated to it, yeah, I think I would because the whole point of devotional music is to inspire the higher in you okay. without anything external causing you to be high. Fair. Right? So alcohol, drugs, lust, whatever it is, these are all kind of, things external external to us that we use to feel a certain way. The whole point of devotional music or the teaching is that you can cultivate that through yourself without any attachment to something external. So it would just be contradictory and sort of hypocritical. If Lauren Hill decided to remix my stuff and rap on it, I might allow it because <laughs> she is just so... She is so badass, and the miseducation of Lauren Hill in that album, and the entire messaging that she had, I thought that was a religious album. I really did. Mm. I just thought it was. I thought it was life lessons that will never change. Um, and and I think common 
has a lot of interesting work. We got two out of three Chicago hits. All right, I love it. You got two Chicago guys. <laughs> I love this. All right, keep going. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. So I, I was just saying Common's that. Common's evolved his thought process. He, he's mm-hmm. evolved, right, a bit more. He's become, he's gone deeper into it. But early on, he had, like, from the light. I mean, that was a nice message to a lover, right, to his female, you know, yeah. his, his girlfriend at the time. So these, this is a hot, these are hot yeah, tracks. Yeah, he's got some lovely tracks. They're, he's very romantic, Common. He really is. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, a funny, a buddy of mine used to teach uh, Lauren Hill guitar. She lived out in Jersey somewhere, so he was in Manhattan. We were all in Manhattan at the time. He would take a train out to go teach her guitar. After all of this, after she had all the hits, she met, he met all the kids and all that. But yeah. it's that one huge album she had, and everyone was waiting for the follow-up. And maybe it was the pressure of the industry that could have, you know, led to, like, why it didn't come out. I don't know. But that was such a game-changing album, and you wish there would have been more to it. I think she got in her head, perhaps, and I think she also perhaps had influence, external influence, that wasn't great. I've seen her live three times, and I think what just once she was maybe sober in some oh, okay. shape or gotcha. form. And, um, and that was upsetting because she is, to me when they had Obama's inauguration and Beyonce sang At Last for Lauren Hill, yeah, for, for, yeah, yeah. for Obama. And, and I love Beyonce. I mean, obviously everybody's like, Queen Bee, Queen Bee, Queen Bee. I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, oh, if it had been Lauren Hill. <laughs> oh, okay. Just because Lauren Hill's voice, there, there is no voice like hers. It's so different. It's so unique. They're both great. They're both incredible voices though. Uh, right. Yeah. No, you have, to, you have to get you have to nail it. And I'm I'm uh, I think too. So you know, I I get like which voices kind of make sense. I wouldn't put Britney Spears in that category. Nothing against her, but she's a, she's yeah. at the time she was a talented entertainer, uh, yeah. right? So, but those voices belong. Uh, I yeah. agree. Okay, but you okay? You'd put her over there. I I put her over there just because I just think she she's so real, man. She was okay. so real. She's not artificially made at all. What you see is what you get with Lauren Hill. Okay. You know? All right. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that there because so many ways I could get canceled by being who I am, by saying what I just say. All right. <laughs> but, okay. So I love it. So if she came, so if Lauren Hill could get down with your music and she and she's, she could let her budget it up, if, you know, after everything she's been through, maybe she's still under the influence of something. You would allow that though, still, or no? You'd pull back. Yeah. I think, look, I think music, if it is devotional hmm. or religious, has to be made with purity of mind, thought, and spirit. Intention is important. Energy is important. Your energy changes from the influences around you. So if you're with negative people, this is actually it's actually a really important life lesson, which the Bhagavad Gita talks about, which is the power of association, which is who and what you associate has the power to either raise you up or completely bring you down. And you will see this in every circumstance. I've seen this in investment banking. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you choose to hang out with belligerent or arrogant bankers, or you choose to hang out with team players and teachers and mentor style bankers, right? Um, the same with music. Do you hang out with the people who cut corners or the people who might do something dodgy to get up the ladder? Fair. Or do you hang out with the, the people who just work really, really, really hard and don't compromise on their principles. What, whatever it is, whoever you associate with and what you choose to associate with defines the energy of what you do. 
and I would never let my devotional music or production style be compromised, which is why I've actually only ever worked with one producer who happens to be um, like, like a brother to me. And I've only ever worked with him on my albums because I want the love, the intention, the energy to be as positive as it can be. Although we fight a lot. So there's a tug of war there when you're with a producer, with the, yeah, everyone getting in. And you, do you play as well? Do you play instruments? I, I grew up playing the piano. Same, um, okay. So that was my, that was my instrument. And okay, I and endeavored to learn the guitar, just kept picking it up, dropping it, you know, playing the D, D chord over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> it was okay. like my favorite chord. I don't know why. D minor, D major. It's Elvis. You know, all, that's why. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Elvis, it was Elvis's too. Uh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so... Okay, I like it. So you've always always worked. Now here, let's let's, let's not. There's so many nice little nuggets you drop there. So the okay, you, they, there's that saying out there: you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Which I feel is true as well. So I've tried to recalibrate my life. Hey, some things great people, but like they're in a different portion of their life journey where that I maybe don't relate to as much more. I have kids and I'm married now, or things that I don't want to be around, or don't make sense for me because I'm not growing from them. Right. Mm -hmm. There's that. And then there's people that you have to be around. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and certain things. And then you can. I've noticed that some of them, if they're a bit toxic, I want to limit my exposure to them and my family's exposure to them. So I'll you had to do that as well in your life. And you can ground yourself. So if I was incredibly spiritual, I should be able to go into the incredibly toxic arena and say, I'm, I'm OK here. I'm grounded here. But I, just, I don't want that external influence because I don't want to hear it either. Yeah, it's an, you know, it's an interesting point you raise because. As Indians always say, especially in our culture, that the lotus blooms in the dirtiest of ponds. Right? It doesn't matter how mm. filthy the pond is, the lotus is the lotus. It's pure, it'll grow, which is why it's our, um, I think it's our national flower of India. Mm -hmm. But lotus temples are my beautiful. Dad, too. Yeah, but go ahead. Huh? Lotus temples my are gorgeous. My dad too. always tells me that if you, if you are a white, dove surrounded by black crows in a huddle you'll never see the dove so mm -hmm. you'll just see all the crows right and so the dove will disappear and that's when it comes into question of like who do you want to be and who do you want to be then defines who you want to hang out with and so yes you're right you can be spiritual enough to go and hang out in a in a in a toxic environment and it doesn't affect you which is great, and I, I've done that numerous times, and that's that's called mental discipline mm. and mental strength to be able to be part of a situation but removed from it so it doesn't affect you. However, is it a good use of your time? Mm. Is it where you can give the most? Is it where you can learn the most? And that's what comes into play. Does it elevate you or does it, and it might not bring you down, but if it does nothing, what is the point of it? Oh, great. Well said. I love it. And you've, you know, and go down the journey, the spiritual speaking journey. Like I think I've seen something you're doing. It's, it's, an, it's a women empowerment play. You, you taught, you discuss a lot of points around that, the spirituality journey. Bring this to this. How did this all begin? Why? It's, take us down that road for a moment as well. Um, look, I think it was a combination of things. I was doing a lot of music. Uh, obviously, and from that came a lot of writing opportunities. So I used to freelance and write for different magazines and, and newspapers, and that 
always had a philosophical um, element to it or um, a spiritual element to it. And so a lot of the lessons through Eastern philosophy, which I've studied, would manifest through my writing. And from writing, speaking became um, the natural sort of add-on, if you will. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, I was just at, I'm, I'm at Harvard Business School finishing my um, executive MBA or alternative executive MBA, as they call it. And um, it's really interesting because they teach you about product bundling. Mm. And what's the best way to bundle your pro your your product, and what are the add-ons, and which ones make sense, and which ones cannibalize your brand, and right. you know which ones take money away from the main thing, and that's kind of what you do as an artist. You become a business, you become a brand, and so what can you offer? How? What more? If if music only takes you to a certain level, how do you then take yourself to the next level? And what I realized was that. Public speaking came to me very naturally. I used to compete um, in school, and and I love it. Um, I, you just give me a stage, and I will sing, dance, tell a joke, roll around, do right. whatever you need, and and have a great time. And so, um, speaking came very easily, and then speaking on something purposeful, aligned with the brand that I had created. I love it. So, so let's, I'm going to dial back for a moment and we're going to bring it back to this now. So music industry is a, <clears throat> as I've come to know you, you're a very centered person. It seems like, you know, we've seen this, like through all of our ex text exchanges, the numerous times we've tried to make this video play work. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen music industry can be, because I was in it for a good six, seven years. It was, it's, it can be very, it can be a very me first industry. Yeah. But you're coming to it from with a very spiritual angle, spreading that messaging as well. So yeah. how is this? So the me first, okay, and, and not in a bad way, knocking. Look, look at, let's look at, let's remove from current times. Take it all the way back to the Madonna. She had to be the brand she was, and she was that brand, me, 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 and it pushes the envelope. That's what every artist did. I'm not just knocking at her. And now with your messaging, it's different, but then how do you get those? Because everything's measured. There's so many records. You and I are analytical finance folks on, on one side, and we want to see, we know metrics, analytics, and all that kind of to push the music, because you want to meet, have it reach the broadest audience in a rightful, relevant way. Streaming, it comes down to it. So what is the record label? What's your relationship with them? Are they, what are they requiring of you to kind of keep this messaging going? Because they've given you an opportunity for four albums. Three albums, yeah. Well, um, they, they, you know, it, it's standard. You have a revenue split, a royalty split, sorry, um, on, on anything that is downloaded or bought. Um, I don't do it for the money. If you're going to do devotional music, you don't do it for the money Fair. because you're not selling sex. So guess what? You're not going to be selling a lot. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you're selling spirituality. And like that's that's an important message. If we listen to half the music it. that we're listening to. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead. Continue. Right. And I, I mean, of course, it's very important music, but yeah. it is it is not commercial. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why Britney Spears was so big. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why Cardi B is so big. Um, but it's also, quite, you know, and I'm not taking it. I love Britney, by the way. I yeah. She's no, she's, she's, she's a phenomenal dancer and she's so creative. But ultimately, you have to be packaged in a certain way. Fair. You're not going to package a devotional artist like that because it's going to be a conflict, right? Yeah. Automatically. You're going to alienate the audience that you initially were trying to attract. So it is tough. Um, and what's really hard for artists is you don't have a physical tangible 
product anymore. So I was really lucky because I was one of the last, I probably one of the last few people to ever have album deals. Mm. Both my first two albums are CDs and I could go into a shop, whether it was in New York, in Murray Hill, or whether it was in, um, in London, or in Mumbai, or Gujarat, or wherever. I could go into a shop and I would see my album on the shelf. And for an artist, that is priceless. Mm. And you were, for, especially for my demographic of who listened to my music, a lot of people were playing it in the car. And yeah. they were, you know, or they were a slightly older demographic. And so they weren't into this whole streaming or download or iTunes or any of that. Streaming didn't even exist. So it was all about buying CDs. And what I couldn't build was online, digital, social media fans. What I built was like real life fans who I didn't necessarily know because social media didn't really exist. Right. But my album would be playing in a small corner of South Africa. And really? yeah, and you know, it, that, that was really, that was really cool. And I've lost that generation from it shifting to streaming because auntie in indoor <laughs> is not like listening to me on spotify Fair. she was going down to her shop buying some cds for her car right um so i've lost that but what i've gained is the younger generation um who are more um you know adept at these things and so there's there's hit and miss and and it's hard for artists because not only has the landscape really changed and you don't have a tangible product and you're figuring out royalties and splits and fees and it's really hard to monetize on music now labels have struggled they've dropped right. lots of people they've they're trying to find different ways to make to make money and usually they make money on just sort of big big artists one or two big big artists and everyone else is sort of like fun projects. it's a pure venture model it's like what am i space it's venture model it's exactly it Right, and I'm definitely fall into that fun project. Like, okay, we'll do this for some good karma. We're definitely not going to make any money out of this. I fall into that category, right. and it's hard being that kind of artist, right? It's it's a struggle. Um, but how much do you care about what you do? Right, and if you do, you 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 continue on. It's very freeing the angle you're coming at it from, because most people when they start off, they want to, hey, I've got, I want to be this i want to be seen here i need to be streamed this many times it's very freeing because you already have a wonderful life outside of this and this is just a icing on the cake now you brought up a great point so the first album came out 10 12 12 years ago mm -hmm. okay so your journey as a human being has your relationship with god and your spirituality how has it evolved from that person mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say they were mm -hmm. young i'm saying that younger person version of you uh mm -hmm. you're still only 18 so, and now that as you've evolved and your, what's your, how has your relationship changed with your God and your, your Northern star? I think you were right when you said young, because I was, it feels <laughs> like, and what I mean is not just an age, right? That's not what I mean when I say young, I was so young of experience, okay. right? I just hadn't. I hadn't felt the hardship of life. I hadn't, I had got everything up until when I got signed. Yes, I studied very hard because all Indians have to study hard, but I had everything relatively easy. Success came very early 
very easily to me, right? And I didn't appreciate it. I, I, I remember when I got into Goldman Sachs for my summer internship and for trading, and I was like one of X number of people out yeah. of yeah. 35,000 applicants. And as a woman, I was even less. I think it was just really very few of us. And I just thought, yeah, obviously I'd get in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's not that hard. Oh, I got a record deal. Yeah, obviously I'd get a record deal because I'm awesome. I'm sick. I mean, this was a problem. <laughs> God, God decided, right, <laughs> I am going to put you on a roller coaster for the next 10 years. Is that true? And, and he has tested me. Okay. He has tested me. I mean, he, she, I believe in both forms of God, female, male, consciousness, power, whatever you want to call it, the force has tested me and it has been hard it has been um i have luckily i've always been protected and i think that's where spirituality and faith comes into it mm -hmm. there's a level of protection you feel that is on your head and whether it's the placebo effect and you know because you, you pray you kind of believe it's there <laughs> so it is or whether it's actually there because you have i don't really know which one but once you believe you are protected you will you 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 go through a lot of hardship, but you always come out of it. But I, my personal life has been te tested. I have seen sides of humanity that I never thought as that 22-year-old mm. I would ever experience. I was very naive. I thought, everybody's nice. Everybody's oh. good. Mm. As long as you're nice, people are nice to you. Not true. As long as you don't lie, people won't lie. Not true. As long as you don't manipulate, people won't manipulate. Not true. <laughs> fair, just, fair. I had it all wrong. Got it. And people are on their own journeys, and some people will try and destroy. So these are all external things happening to you, and you were able to remain grounded because of your relationship with I wasn't always grounded. I, I went through a lot of ups and downs. Okay. I, I, you know, a lot of tears were spent, a lot of questioning, a lot of, does God even exist? How can this happen? What drove you there? How what drove you there? Like, okay, and don't, you don't have to go reveal anything you, should, you don't want to, but I think it'd be great for our listeners. What pushed you to the limit and you, and you thought you would crack, but you were resilient through it and it's been amazing for you? What's it, could be some good nuggets for our listeners. Um, so I don't think it was anything career-wise because touch wood, there's no wood around, damn it, um, but touch wood, it's, that has never gone so downhill that I've had to question okay. anything. Um, You're so daisy, by I, the way, touch wood. I, damn, good for you. <laughs> Keep doing it. Go. But, <laughs> um, but I did have a close very close interaction with a um a narcissist sociopathic mm. individual sociopathic psychopathic um abuser and um that took me to a place where i questioned humanity god myself mm. and i didn't think i'd get out of that I didn't think I'd get, I got out of that circumstance and I'm very proud of myself because it takes years to get out of something like mm. those kinds of situations and most people don't. Most people go back 
and in my particular circumstance, someone did go back to that very same individual, but I didn't. And I'm very proud of myself for that fact. And, um, and they also knew I wasn't going back. So, <laughs> and I think that's where God and faith came into it. And I think God saved me in that circumstance. And I owe the universe. I owe the universe a hundredfold mm. for that. But at the time, I was so angry and so hurt and so destroyed by the behavior of a sociopath or psychopath. Right. I mean, they're, they're all they all interlink. A narcissist that I um, I thought I would never be the same again. I thought I was just dark. You know what I mean? Mm. I just thought I was going to lie in this dark pit, and whilst I would live, I would just always be in that dark pit. And the fight I put to survive, whether it was God consciousness or myself the power that I instilled in myself to get out of that, it was like the rising of the Phoenix. It I just, love it. I love it. It, it, it just, um, yeah, it, it was tough, but boy, do you shine. If you survive, you shine. You will survive, right? That's, that's the message I want I to survive, get out, that's I want to get out you, there. You need to do more than survive, right? You need to thrive. Yeah. That's the message and, I was going to survive and thrive. I love it. Yeah. And they're different. And if you can cross that little link mm. from surviving to thriving, spotlight is all on you, man. It's just, yeah, I love that. It's no, and it's good. And I think it's great for our listeners to hear, right? And you can. You can't just push through it. You have to believe in whatever your northern stars and get through that. But that good for you. Good for you. That's a great lesson for everyone. All right, should we lighten this up, man? Because I'm thinking I'm taking us <laughs> down these deep, darker roads here. Uh, Okay, okay, you're the British accent. I've told you. We're fond of it. I'm fond of it. The U.S. side. What do British folks think of our accent in the U.S.? Because it's very I different mean, depending on where you're from. sucks, right? So You think our sucks? <laughs> Damn. All right. So- no, no, no. I don't think that's true. I actually quite like, well, I like the American accent from Alabama. From Alabama, don't you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe not the southern one. Um... <laughs> Not the Californian one either. I think sometimes a man can sound quite nice with an American accent if they have a deep voice. Okay. What I really what do you think don't of this like, right here? I'm kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> what I really don't like. I, oh God! I was watching. I was watching this program. What is it? Okay. So my cousin is obsessed with reality TV. Right? Okay. And so I was staying with her and turned on, and she was watching Desperate Housewives of Dubai. Literally Ooh, all we need to talk I hope to her. she never listens to this podcast. We need to fix her. She's, She's broken already. Life. We need to fix her. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Please, may she never listen to this. But, um, and so when she went away, I was trying to find something to watch, and literally it was all reality TV popping up. And I started this show called Love is Blind. Um, and It's another reality show? Yeah, it's okay. a reality show. Okay. It's an American one. Uh, it's, a way of, yeah, it's an American one. And I was watching this American girl chat to this guy and I don't really know like what to say but like I really think Holy like shit. yeah it's so good but like I really do love you but I've been like trying to figure out like you know what I'm saying and I was just like what are you saying <laughs> seriously what, what did you say I don't know what you said that's <laughs> hilarious said. So no, to be fair, the people in reality TV are not depictive in the broad broad strokes of American culture. But yes, we have our final. But I do think English accents, classing up a joint, 
when they walk in, sometimes when they, I'm here, look, so I have, we, I speak with international folks about finance things yeah. all the time. And we're going deep in the metrics and the analytical clinical words. Let's, let's just call it that way, right? It sounds, yeah. it sounds refreshing, but it comes from a British person's mouth. That's all. With the accent and everything. I know. A lot. I know. I'm like, what? <laughs> but, go ahead. I know. It's true. I mean, I think actually, so what I noticed having worked in the US is that anybody with a British accent seems to be heard more. And we pay attention to them. But in fact, that doesn't mean they're any smarter. No. Sometimes they're actually really not. I'm also, on the flip side, side, I've realized that as well. But okay, so it's just you're smart. If you're smart, you're not. If you're not, that's 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 what it comes down to. That's everywhere. Um, So I had a cousin. I had some other friends who lived in there, in banking as well, in, in, in the UK from here. And they've said, okay. Not always true. <laughs> kind of what you just said. But it is yeah. cool. I, I do love the accent. They get classes up the joint in, in many ways. Um, hey, let's let's do a couple of U.S. versus New York City kind of uh, or, or America. So New York City is very unique. You know, have you traveled other parts of America? Yep. Okay. Like where? Like what else? What, what's... Like my parents live in Dallas. I. You're, they live in Dallas now? Yep. My mother and stepdad live Wait, in so Dallas. Wait, so you're from the U.K. and they were always there and then they moved here. As of late? My mother, my stepfather's American, so my mother moved. I know. Okay. Yeah. Learned all these layers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been, I've been everywhere. I've been to California. Obviously, I've studied in Boston. I've been to Tampa and Memphis and Mississippi. <laughs> okay. So now, now you're going Dying. further. Okay. So some of those cities were kind of relatable, but then like Mississippi might be a little different kind of vibe than what you probably are used to. And you could, I would say, if you go to the UK, London is very different than if you go to the suburban London or yeah, far off into the rural areas. Look, yeah. you have the number one Indian restaurant in the world I've ever tried, Dishum. I don't know if that's popular for you all, but like I kept hearing about it. I went there. That's the, my mother's a great cook. I, I can cook as well, but like my you know, mother, wife, my mother-in-law, they're all great cooks. And I've been blessed with that. And But I cook too. I'm not saying it should just be a female thing only, but man, that is the some of the best Indian food I've ever had in my life anywhere. Even over India, <laughs> so Dishum is that popular amongst you, or is it just for us tourists? No, people do like it. I think it's okay, but yeah, I think it's amazing. It. And I, we rarely <laughs> so visit my dad owns restaurants, so my dad's in sins, and you know, okay. the standards are very high in our family. So you want to give his a restaurant a shout out so we can do that? Get billions. Of <laughs> well, it's in Gujarat in Rajkot. It's called Lord's Banquet. So okay, yeah, but it's, it's known as the best. Don't know how popular we are there, so okay. Yeah, <laughs> people in England know know about it, so it is popular. Okay, so London people versus New York City people. Let's just go there. Okay, so that's it's going to be somewhat simple. This is the most kind of European centric you're going to get in America, right? You'll get pockets of somewhat Miami will get have it. Uh, I just I think there's a general vibe, and I, but to be fair uh, to us Americans, when I've been in the UK, it's only been in the major cities, right? Uh, so London, then we went up to Glasgow, we did all of that, the whole entire thing. Uh, so I didn't go into the rural pockets as much. So it could be very similar to here, but I think there's a vibe. Oh, even let's just go strictly with the South Asian folks that live in the, London. Anyone that I know from there, they have a different vibe than maybe New York City. They see. Is that true? So London is. It, everyone just seems to have a vibe. Like they dress better <laughs> than U.S. counterparts, and they, it, but is it just because it's so? What it's a melting pot of. It's a true melting pot versus New York City because you have everyone there, and that's why your restaurants are phenomenal. It is a true melting pot. Um, Yes, we do dress better. <laughs> yes, we're more cultured. Yes, it's more. Hey, hey, hey. But it's not yeah. as vibey as. It's a free reign to just take shits on okay. us, all right, man? Come on. No, no, but I, you can <laughs> let me finish. I was going to say, but New York nightlife, New York, New yeah, York restaurants, kind of, New York bars. <laughs> I mean, New York music, oh my God. It's hot. Like, that's, that's amazing. Um, 
New York sunshine. Yeah, London it's, weather sucks. That's what's it's, it's kind of weird, man. So anyway, so I've only been there. So it was kind of like gray and gloomy, kind of like we're gonna have here tomorrow in New York. Like you're you're here still, but yeah. uh, but it doesn't sunny's not doesn't shine as often, huh? Apparently, someone told me that we get fifty percent less sunshine than New York. And what's really weird is when I moved back from New York to London, I felt really low. For, and I just thought maybe I'm just missing New York, like I wasn't That's used what it to it. You know, I, I, and yeah, so it took me a, a while to realize, oh, it's because it's great. There's not enough sunshine. And whenever I'm in New York, I feel really good. Yeah. Because mostly, I mean, it's been touch and go this week, but mostly the sunshines. And sunshine is a game changer. Huge That's effect on your mood. Huge effect. That's what I'm saying. Maybe you'd be like, you wouldn't have to take over the world at one point in your life if you just, you know, sunny and shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. How does it feel being a South Asian living there? So, like, we talked about this before. Okay. So, I'm in America, so this is very different as far as Indians have, like, we, we weren't brought here and we were brought in indentured service everywhere across the world, but not America, really. Okay. It's a young country. It's a startup compared to some other. Uh, countries now UK obviously clearly what they've done this is in the past what they had done they had ruled over India for a long time but, but now how was it to, for you to see an Indian Prime Minister roll up to in a Range Rover which is now as a British manufacturing company owned by now an Tata Indian company how was that for you to see and it's not like a an about you on their face but it's like hey we're look what happened to us look where we are Thr- survive and thrive baby it's it's true and a lot of Indians didn't even come from India to the UK. They came from Fair. East Africa. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. My, my mother's side all came from East Africa. And so my grandparents came to the UK. And I just thought to myself, if my grandfather had been around to see mm. that an Indian prime minister is running the country, it is, it touches so deeply. It's such a feeling of coming home and completion and full circle and Indians have worked so hard in the UK. They came without anything, you know, they, a lot of them lost all of their wealth. Yeah. Um, they lost everything under Idi Amin um, in Uganda with the expulsion of Asians. That's what our family went through and worked really hard. And my aunts and uncles and my mother, you know, they, they built businesses, they went to the best universities, they studied hard, but they all went to state schools and they didn't have the privilege I've had. Mm. And that generation worked really hard to get uh, British Asians up there. And I think Indians are the highest contributors to, to GDP in, yeah. in the UK, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, yeah. or something like that. And um, yeah, I think the economy would collapse without Indians. And, and you can see that we're in, we're in every field, financial services, medicine. I mean, similar to the, to the U.S. The U.S. is very similar, I, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar. What I would say that is that we have less of the racial tensions, I think, that the U.S. Wait, you have less in the U.K.? I think we have less. Because U.K. never like, really had like a – anywhere in Europe didn't really ever have a civil rights movement or anything. And not that that really worked. Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, well, yeah. here. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, well, we didn't have um, – we didn't, yeah, we didn't have some of the same issues. But not like Indians were brought there on great circumstances when they were first arrived, right? The ones that, from India, is what I'm saying. Yeah, right. from India. Yeah, you're right. East Africans were fleeing something. Indians were brought for a reason, right? Right, Similar. but we didn't, 
it wasn't slavery in yeah. the same way. Sure. Or, although slavery did did exist, right? Absolutely. But People it ended it. a lot earlier than, than yeah. the U.S. I think the U.S. was last to, to, to really end. Um, and um, I think just Indians have just been around longer. That That's the thing. Yeah. You've just spent more time, right? If yeah. your grandparents are there, you've just spent more time there. Um, and now, like, my great-grandmother was in England, right? So it's, it's a long, we're going back, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we're very embedded into the culture. Having said that, with Rishi Sunak becoming prime minister, he was not voted in by the general. Fair, that's fair. In the general election. And B, they put Liz Truss first. Right. And then, when there was no one else, that's when Rishi Sunak became prime minister. And that, I think, highlights the undercurrent of racial tension that still exists. Hmm. How can a brown face rule our country? And I'm sure that played into it because Rishi Sunak was the right person for the job far earlier on. Deeper finance expertise, right? And that's what kind of the country needs, uh, mm. in all fairness. Yeah, right? <laughs> that. right? Right, yeah. so... He was the chancellor. So, yeah. Okay, uh, we've been, we've been, we've touched on a lot, and there's so many we could do like 15 of these, right? And I don't think we'll scratch the surface away. Right, let's do some quick hit, quick hit bangers, all right? All right, favorite artist, just Lauren Hill. whatever comes quick. Okay, Lauren Hill, favorite. I'm gonna throw some favorite song. Damn it, favorite yeah. song. That's what I do. Um, it can be in the top five because that's very uh, isolating to <laughs> pull out one song. Um. Lap dance, N-E-R-D. What <laughs> the hell? A spiritual girl? What the hell? And it just came into my head. Okay, let me think. Uh, Come Close, Common, Mary J. Blige, um, okay. Ed Sheeran, Photograph, um, and the entire Ben Howard, Every Kingdom Out. Do they not have hairstylists in the UK? Because what the hell's up with that dude's hair? Anyway, okay. He could open Trump's uh, phone with, like, you know, face ID and <laughs> shit. <laughs> but uh, finest business leader that you're admiring. Her name is just gone from my head. So, um, the former, the former CEO of Pepsi. Oh, Indra Nui. Indra Nui. Yeah, yeah, she's phenomenal. Her. Phenomenal. She's been love a big her. inspiration for a lot, and she's love her. She's talked about the balancing of being in that role versus what she had to give up with their family, right? Which is yeah. a lot of what we all deal with, especially in the South Asian community. Acting yeah. inspiration. Oh, yeah, um, we're going weird deep. <laughs> uh, it would be a it would be a mix between Robin Williams and um, our Robin Williams, our comedian. Your I love your Robin him, Williams. Man. I love him. Yeah, your Robin Williams, and um, good choice, man. And and I I really quite like um I I really like Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, he's, I, think he, I think he's the best of our generation. Like, I'm, I think I'm older than you, like, he's, he's in our demo, he's probably, I think, goes deep. So I, I had done music for deep. some folks, and my buddy, Scott Brock, was, um, you know, Schumacher. Thelma Schumacher was, is yeah. Martin Scorsese's main editor. Scott yeah. Brock was with him, and then I remember visiting him when they were doing Gangs in New York in Montreal, and it was like the, the film festival. And I had done music with Scott Brock, like, he was on an editor on some other film. And yeah. he said Leonardo DiCaprio, he, where, he was always good. When he turned it on was with hanging out with Daniel Day-Lewis. And Daniel Day-Lewis is probably one of the best actors, like how he, be, mm -hmm. he incorporates that into his life. So he lives that role for that 12 months of mm -hmm. shooting or nine months of shooting. Mm -hmm. So Leonardo DiCaprio, I, the only one that I would put like in that same realm, and he's slightly older, is Jamie Foxx. What he did with Ray Charles' role mm -hmm. and those kind of roles, that's next level shit. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. good. All right. So I thought you said Robbie Williams, which is great for you all. He's a good singer, but like, you know, I know he's an actor. Robin Williams, I love. He and Eddie Murphy is what I grew up on, comedy wise and acting yeah. wise. It was great. All right, singing inspiration. Outside yeah. of Lauren Hill. Bam. <clears throat> singing inspiration. I don't know if it's a singing inspiration, but ARMR. Okay, musician. Is, He's a singer too. Yeah, yeah. Is a musician. Uh, as a musician, sing, singing, I, I love Hari Haran's okay. voice, which is a South South, uh, South yeah, yeah. Indian, uh, but classical singer. Um, he, he is phenomenal. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, as Western singers, I mean, there's no, there's no one in the West who I'm like particularly attached to, okay. I would say. So I'll probably say, yeah, the more Eastern All right, ones. all right. Best investment, personal. Best personal yep. investment? HBS. Okay. Love it. Love it. Opened up other avenues for you. And other trains of thought? Best personal investment. Just best personal investment to become a better, more complete. Love it. Love it. Best personal, I'm sorry, best investment business. Best investment business. TBD. Okay. I don't think I've, I don't think I've the best. How about today? I mean, I haven't, I've been investing in property, okay. so that's been the best real investment okay. I've made. Right. Um, or to be honest, more family. My, I think I have my mother to thank more for that than I. I've, I've, I, I'm limited on what I can invest in. Fair, work, fair. So. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so parting thoughts on, yeah. okay, let's do this. Drink of the day. Uh, you're supposed to come equipped, drinking. You've been sipping on something all day, haven't you? No, I'm kidding. Espresso martini. Okay. Good. That was better than the last time. Whatever the hell you were saying last time. I was like, what, what were you saying last time? I was telling you a glass of Chablis. Like, you what in the hell? Know. I can't even. I'm not, damn. <laughs> You're abusive to my ears with that. I know. It sounds like a very sophisticated drink. Apart from it's one of the best wines in the people world. People love it. People love it. I know. But I was like, really? <laughs> okay. So, and then, and then content, shit you should know. We have a section here. Content, don't use your album because that's mine. Uh, so people, something that people absorb and should listen to. Listen to, read, watch, book, organization that you're affiliated with that you'd love for people to know about. So, sorry, you said album people should listen to and I cannot mention my yep, own, right? Yep, I'm going to. Okay, so album people should listen to Every Kingdom by Ben Howard. It's very old. Okay. It's fantastic. Um, they, they said that Ben Howard was like a young Bob Dylan. Interesting. Every Kingdom is one of the most beautiful. Not albums. even like a great, so Bob Dylan, not even like a phenomenal voice, but the lyrics were phenomenal, deep, right? And they resonated. Yeah, that's, that's, like, yeah, that's okay. like Ben, ha- ben Howard's like Every song. Kingdom. Okay. It's, it's music for the soul. Okay. I was going to stop there, but yeah. you, it looks like you wanted to keep going. So favorite book? <laughs> a bo- favorite book? Oh, yeah. Favorite book? Um, yes. Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. Okay. Herman Hesse is a German author, wrote Siddhartha, which is extremely famous. It's been around for a while. Um, yeah. Yes, one like the Nobel Laureate literature for that. I mean, it's the most fantastic book. At least read it four times. You'll really? Learn. My wife read it and she, she loved it as well. Uh, and okay, I love it. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, are you going to sing for us? <laughs> no, no, you're going to. This is part of the gig. <laughs> Drop a line or two. I mean, I think, what am I meant to do? Sing a month yeah, like, to you like, or a budget? A line it's not going to be a club banger because, like, you know, you're especially against that. <laughs> that. <laughs> so, give us a line. Give us a line. Inspire the, inspire the kids. Right. We have billions and okay. billions of listeners. 
12 billion lizards to be okay. exact. Go for it. Achyutam keshavam Krishna damodaram Rame narayanam Chanaki vallabham That was beautiful. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Nice. Nice. So in my uh, content of the day will be her album, Bhajan Project 2, Bhajan 2, Bhajan, right? Yes. So if you look you up, right, it's somewhere it says you have four albums out, somewhere it says you have three albums out. I do have four. You're right. But th- but one I did so random. three is with Sony. Myself. That's it? Okay. Three is the official. Okay. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Albums, three. Yeah. All right. I like it. So but check the album out. It's amazing. So who's your producer? Why don't you mention? Because I, I heard. Arjun. Is my producer. Um, he is my best friend. He is also a singer songwriter. I forced him into music, and now he's a superstar. So, so you know, it's funny because the, the first first time I came to Novi, and I think I mentioned this in our first call a few years back, is Gubby Gubby. Uh, you, were you you were in the video? Yeah. There, and then you and some other lady. Yeah, I sang it. And then um, yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. so that's like that's an Amadab movie from an Amadab budget movie, which I grew up on. And so I saw yeah. it. Like, what the hell is this? I showed it to my mom and dad. I was like, hey, this is great. And so that's the first time I, that was like, what, seven, eight years ago? Was yeah, that was, That yeah. was great. Yeah, no, I so check the album out. It's streaming everywhere. Um, she's going to be performing at a club near you. Kidding. But, <laughs> but no, but check <laughs> it. I love the message. I was intrigued by you. I said, let's get you on the pod. I wish you could have done with the entire group. One of them had a baby, so we we're delayed. We just, you know, he's, he's deep in the mix of that. So we'll get you, we'll get you back on sometime. But thank you so much, Shivali. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. It's been fun hanging out. I know, finally. Despite it. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you.